0: So Rebecca and I um, celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary this weekend, which was a lot of fun. We, we are uh, very grateful to all of you for all your uh, warm wishes and everything. Uh, no, she was not 14 when we got married, just in case you were wondering. Um, me, on the other hand, you don't have to worry about my gray hair. Um, but obviously, most of you know that uh, First Lady Rebecca, as some of us call her, uh, uh, without her, uh, this church wouldn't go. And um, happy anniversary! Uh, obviously, we're still crazy about each other. Still date on a regular basis, which I I strongly recommend. If you're going to get married, that just means you're dating for life. I thought at least the ladies would say amen there. If you're going to get married, you're uh, you're you're dating for life, right? Right. So. Um, we, we really have enjoyed that. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And I just wanted to say thank you. Um, I want to spend some time in the Word, but on uh, a subject that is very simple. And I want to start a new uh, series um, called Lost uh, to Leaders. And in this Lost to Leaders, uh, we're going to take a look at some very simple words that Jesus had to say. Um, we will discuss... Very much our individual uh, purpose and things that God has for us as individuals, but we will also be discussing some of our you know identity as a church uh, why are we here? what are we doing? Um, those types of things um, and but really, I think we have to start with a very basic you know what 's God up to now before we look at uh, matthew twenty two I think it's helpful to just stop and consider. Who is speaking? Who is speaking is Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of the living God, right? 100% God, 100% man. He is God with us. It, It may be helpful for you to sit down with Philippians 2 this afternoon and consider who Jesus is and what He means to you. It's all about Jesus. Right? Jesus changes everything. And I want to guard against, you know, uh, Proverbs 4 writes about being diligent to guard the issues of your heart. How many of you are aware that's a full-time, continual job? Right? It's important that we guard the issues of our heart as it relates to how we perceive Jesus. We don't just assume and presume and casually move on. Jesus, the Son of the living God. It is Jesus who provides us salvation. It is Jesus who provides us healing. It is Jesus who provides us forgiveness. I'm glad for forgiveness. I'm glad that I don't have to stand here this morning and and approach God keeping in mind everything that I did. Everything that I did not do that I should have done right? It is Jesus. Jesus gives us faith. He gives us courage. In Jesus, I have a belief that God is for me. How do you just need that belief to kind of work its way further down into your guts? It is through Jesus that I see that I believe that God is for me whether I am in my personal life at the mountaintop, at the best of the best, or at the lowest of the low, whether I'm in the daily grind, whatever it is, God is for me. So it is Jesus that says these very simple words. I'll give a context here. One of them, I mean, uh, verse 35, an expert in religious law tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So, love God and love others. And Jesus' words are very specific. Love with all. Love with all you've got. We've spent some time on these words already, so I mean, hopefully, they would have some meaning to you already as we as we look at this. But Jesus is saying this is the most important thing in all of Scripture. Did anybody catch that? This is the most important thing of all of Scripture. And I think it's easy for us to, oh, I can just mentally, I can kind of understand that statement, so I check that box and I move on. But that's not the approach that Jesus is calling us to, to these words. Do you understand what I mean? Right? Now, as Jesus prepares to ascend, let's flip to the end of Matthew here, Matthew 28, Matthew's account of Jesus. Matthew 28 verse 36 then the eleven disciples left for Galilee going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go when they saw him they worshipped him but some of them doubted Jesus came and told his disciples I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth therefore go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son the Holy Spirit Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus has a very specific request that he's making of us. right? And there's no end to this. There's nowhere in Scripture that says that this request of Jesus, this request, Request to love God with all and love others, to go and to make disciples is done. And I don't want to give way to my own faith being immature, to coming to heaven, coming to my judgment seat, which Jesus describes Himself for believers, and having Him look at me And there be a realization that my faith stopped at infancy. See, it is possible to perpetuate the childhood, the perpetual childhood of all believers. It is possible for us to stop maturing. How many of you know you can get older and not more grown up? So this is also true in our spiritual lives. When I go through days, weeks, months, years without considering Jesus, when I go days, weeks, months, years without considering His words, I am not growing up spiritually. Right? I have stopped. I've come to a place of... Well, let me put it to you this way. Out of our 17-year marriage, seven seven and a half of those years, I had a traveling job where I was physically gone more than half the year. And so to be honest with you, um, I mean, we would talk every day. We would communicate, you know, more than once a day. Um, But I don't really feel like we've been married 17 years. I mean, relationship um, requires deposits like a bank account. And if it's going to be good, it requires more deposits than withdrawals. <laughs> well, what? And it, it, relationships are alive. They're organic and they require contact. They require you to be together. They require, you know, I didn't just say I love you on the day that we got married and never say it since. Hello? And God created human relationships to help us learn about our relationships with Him. Right? Right? My relationship with God, if it is going to be alive and vibrant and have an effect on me, if it is going to bring spiritual life to me, is not a one and done thing. Teaching that that's the case is just irresponsible. My relationship with God is a continual thing, not out of guilt not try to earn favor, not try to earn more credit, not so that I can try to be better than you in God's presence. That's not it at all. Yeah. But it is, and we see clearly from Jesus' words, and recorded in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus makes it very clear that it does require a continued, daily, moment-by-moment, moment, intentional decision to be in an intentional relationship with Him to be aware of him, to be communicating to him and to be hearing from him. Right? This is the type of thing that Jesus is communicating about. This is the type of relationship with him that I must have. And so relationships with God are a live, constant, vibrant thing. And they also, as we clearly see in what has been called the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, my relationships with other people. When I get to the judgment seat, as a believer, even though I am going into heaven, I will have an opportunity to be extra happy or not so much. Because Jesus makes it clear himself that I will give an account for what I did with my time after my salvation. And Jesus' words are very clear. I am to love God with all that I've got. And to love others just as good as I love myself. And I have a personal responsibility to go. He didn't say, have them come to you. Is anyone paying attention? Yes. He didn't say, have them come to you. Go and to make disciples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is sobering, right? Right? Pastor Ben, this is a holiday, you're bumming me out, you're making me think. No, there's responsibility before God. Now Jesus is the same one who said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So what that means is that when I am abiding in him, as he said in John 15, that there is a freedom about it. Hello? It's not about legalism, it's not about coming to Pastor Ben every Sunday morning with a checklist. Right? Right? There is a freedom to it. There is a life to it. There is a want to. I want to. Are you with me? There's a freedom to it. So what we try to do is to articulate this, communicate this in a way that's as specific as possible. Because it's helpful for us to ask some very basic and some simple questions and to have some understanding. Now, you've heard uh, us describe that as a church, our big three are connect, grow, and share. And with our upcoming move into the larger room and the other things that we have going, you might kind of start to trick yourself into thinking that I believe, or that the elders of the church, or the leaders of the church, or that we as a church believe that we're going somewhere, and then we're going to arrive. No. No! Moving into a bigger room, getting more people here, that is not... That's not our ultimate, right? We have a filter. We have a way in which to describe and evaluate even right now here this morning, are we winning? That word's been used a lot of ways. Are we winning right now as a church? Are we winning? I want to know. I want you to be proactively asking the who, what, where, when, how, why questions. And it's possible that I've not done a good enough job of clarifying the win for you, of describing to you what is our stated purpose, why are we here? And we derive our stated purpose, we derive our goals, our vision, or whatever vocabulary you want to use from the Bible, not from this brain. How many of you are happy for that? I don't know about you, but being the one using this brain, I would rather rely on Scripture than this brain. It's not my ideas, it's not Ben's ideas that are why we are here as a church. Can I get it? Amen? amen. Right? We are following the Word of God. And Jesus' two very simple statements help us describe and define why we are here, which is directly linked to why we exist as believers. Is this helpful? Why we exist as believers? We're to be helping people. You see helping people everywhere in our print material. That's because for us in our network of churches, and our roots, in our Christian tradition, our Christian history, and from scripture, we get the idea from Jesus of servant leadership. So even in this series of lost to leaders, we're not talking about domineering people. I don't want any more domineering people. I've been around enough of them in my life. I'm not trying to get you to be domineering and judgmental. Arrogant. Hello? It's important that we define this. We are called to follow Jesus and in following Jesus to become servant leaders. You lead by serving. Now, I'm helping people as a believer into next steps in a growing relationship with Jesus. That sounds good to me. Right, Because if Jesus is who we say he is, that's going to be nothing but good. Whether I'm at my lowest of low or my highest of high, no matter where I am in life, if I'm in taking next steps. As you notice in Matthew 28, he says, Teach those new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Now that may be why we have four different versions of this account of Jesus. Hello? We are called if we're if you're going to call yourself a Christian, which means a, a mini me of Jesus, a little Jesus, a follower of Jesus. If you're not just going to click the like button, but you're going to be a follower. If we're going to be a follower of Jesus, we are called to a proactive, intentional relationship with Him, where we are taking next steps. Now, guess what? We live in a very lazy culture. You cannot take a lazy approach to your relationship with God or you will be spiritually sick. And I humbly submit to you that if you don't want to be in the scriptures, if you don't want to be in the presence of God, if you don't want to be in prayer, you are spiritually sick. Those are hard words. We're here to help you. Get spiritually healthy. It's possible, and it's probably easier than you think it is. To get spiritually healthy to a place where you want to be in the presence of God, where you want to open your Bible and take time and spend energy to learn about Him, where you want to love others, where you want to disciple others, where you want to start to take some responsibility It's possible to come to a place of spiritual health. and When I come to a place of spiritual health, I want to be like Jesus. I want to help people take next steps in a growing relationship with Jesus. Not so they can be just like you. Not so they can be just like me. Or even Rebecca. So they can be who God created them to be. Right? So who, what, where, when, how, why, all of that can be answered by next steps. Now, this is why we say we're here, our purpose, our goal, our vision, our mission, our values, all of it can be articulated from the scriptures into this simple phrase. We're here to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share his love. Connect, grow, share. Now, There is a way to find out if this is happening. There are evidences. This is what I love about Jesus and his teaching. He teaches us very, very clearly that we are to be Christian before we are to do Christian. How many of you have heard me say this before, right? This is not new information if you've been a part of this church for more than two shakes. We are here we're called to be Christian before you do Christian. But how do you know if it's getting any better? Well, the people that are around you in your life that they start to see evidence of change. Now, let's let's have no pretense here. As a teenager, I was a hot mess. Now, I'm very blessed that my dad chose to follow Jesus and that my dad worked through the difficult chore that it was to maintain a relationship with me. And one of the things that my dad would do, as, as he's always been an educator, so we would have spring break. During spring break, he we would have a morning walk together. And it's, this started off very slowly, but it developed into a a once-a-year thing where we would kind of talk about what the last year was like and we would kind of talk about what the next year would be like. And this was a time when my dad would take an opportunity to say some things to me about the positive changes that were going on in my life. There's plenty of negative stuff he could have talked about. But this was a... it It takes a long time to describe this whole thing, but that was a part of it. How many of you know that when someone who really knows you says uh, you're you're changing, you're growing, you're you're getting better? That when that thing happened last week, you you used to like fly off the handle when that would happen, and now you don't anymore. Now you, you're a better person. You're more like Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Some of us have not had enough of that in our lives and it would be really good if you just look around the room and compliment someone else. Right? That's what the passage really means when it says "sharing, speaking the truth in love. That's what he's actually talking about there. We should see evidence. And let me be very, very clear. For me, we have purposely chosen to do the things that we have done and chosen to not do the things that we have not done in how we have set about building this church because we've chosen to take a missionary approach to Baltimore City. We could have raised a whole lot more money from the outside, done a ton of advertising, done a bunch of slick events, and done a whole bunch of things, but we learned pretty quickly that this pocket of the city had been burnt out on all that stuff. And what they wanted were people that lived in this neighborhood and that were available for relationship and that were actually different. And so that's why we've done what we've done here. Okay. Now I say all that to say this. I've seen a lot of friends start churches within the last five years. Some of them have blown up really fast and some of them are on a slow burn like we are. But here's one thing that I can tell you. It doesn't matter if it grows slow or if it grows fast there is still a filter system that God has when we get to heaven on whether or not it was a success. Hello? Pastors with the biggest churches are not going to have the biggest mansions in heaven. I can't read my Bible and come away with that thought at all. Are you with me? So for us as a church, as individuals and as a church, I want you to know that these evidences that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks are the way that we evaluate if we are accomplishing our goal. I want this to be very clear for you. This is how we, there are evidences. This is not a to-do list that you need to do to be right and be okay to be in this church. Do you hear me? Not a to do list, it's evidences. What I find from Scripture, if we were simplified, we just have a few minutes left this morning, that are evidences of spiritual maturity are this. One, intimacy with God. It's our connect word, right? It's our stated purpose. We're here to help you connect with Jesus. If you spend any significant amount of time or energy being involved with this church and your intimacy with God is not improving, I am failing you. Or you are failing yourself. The two-way street. Hello? What is with him today? (laughs) Right? This is how we know. Now, how many of you have been in this church for more than a year? More than a year. Okay? Now... For those of you that are in have been in this church more than a year, how many of you have had somebody say to you in your life, you're different, you're closer to God. Okay? Evidence! Success. Everybody just give yourself one of these. Everybody, come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. Okay. See? Success. Evidences of success. We are achieving the goal of helping people connect. With Jesus, right? Intimacy with God. A second evidence that we're achieving our goal, stated from Scripture, is community, and we'll use the term insiders. I don't like exclusive terms, but just for the sake of understanding. What I mean by that is that you are community, shared life with people who are believers, who've chosen, this is where I'm going to do church. Right? Includes people like the Tollivers, the Pharaohs, Marshes, the Brady's, the the, Beatty's, right? There is a shared life, a strength in strategic relationships. When you build a wall, when you build with brick or stone, the strength comes from strategic connection, a connectedness. Hello? An evidence that we are a success and an evidence that you are successfully connecting with us is that you have community. You have shared life experiences with other people that are a part of this church and strength that comes from it. If we're not achieving that evidence, we are failing and something must change. Listen, I'm from the West Coast. That's how we roll. Out here, churches tend to roll for decades and not make changes. Let me just tell you the truth. In the West Coast, it's different. We have a utilitarian approach. If it's broke, we fix it. And if we don't know how to fix it, we just re-break it and start over. And I'm not, I'm not against that. We started with Joe and Anna. I got no problem going back to just us and Joe and Anna. If it's broke, we're going to see that God fixes it. Hello? Now, I'm not a crazy person. We have elders and leaders. It's stable. Hopefully, those of you here long enough, you feel a steady hand on the wheel, right? But we have a clear edict. We have a clear indication from God of what he wants us to do. And if we're not accomplishing it, we will stop. Because we're not here to fake it, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how big we get. If it's not working, it's time to stop. Hello? Hello? Now, third evidence, influence with outsiders. If I'm serving non-believers, not yet believers, my neighbors, my coworkers, my friends, the city of Baltimore. If I'm serving and I'm living the life that Jesus called me to live, living life and that to the full, John 10.10, 10, then I'm in a place where people are automatically going to be asking questions. And when people ask questions, you have Influence. Right? That's the result. That's the evidence. And so I want to be very clear as I close today. I forget whatever what other fantastic points we had this morning. I want you to know that as your pastor, this is how I evaluate myself. That as one of the members of this church, which I am that too, this is how I evaluate the church. That as one of the elders, the four elders of this church, this is how I evaluate the church. And if you're going to be here and give your lifetime energy money to this, you should know, right? What's the stated purpose? What's the filter? What, how, are we, how do we know it's a win? This is how we evaluate it. Are the people who are a part of this church. Now, I'm not talking about seekers, starters, returners, people that are on the peripheral. I'm talking about this is your home church. Are the, If the people that this is their home church growing in their intimacy with God, their community with insiders, and their influence with outsiders. That's a part of this simple connect, grow, share. And if you want to simplify it even beyond the connect, grow, share, Taking next steps in a growing relationship with Jesus. Everyone comes into this place at a different place in their walk with God. It's not about that. It's about are we helping you take a next step? Right. Are you with me? Yes. Does this sound good? Yes. This is exciting. Because what I see is that we are winning. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I look around. We baptized five ladies last Sunday night. Yeah. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. This is a good, that's maybe the best part of my job, right? We are winning because I see in you evidence of these three things occurring. Let's stand and close in prayer. Really appreciate you being here today. I really hope that you will uh, share in joy and loving on someone, inviting somebody over to your house to spend some time, build some community with each other uh, either today or tomorrow, that you'll do something to grow in these areas.